Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. And welcome, everybody, to FanStream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fedoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on Twitter, at P. Fedoff. So for episode 72 today, we're going to be doing the connection between Coach Muffet McGraw, the former Notre Dame women's basketball coach who retired in 2020, and the current women's basketball coach at Ohio State, Kevin McGuff, who was an assistant at a, a Notre Dame from 1996 to 2002. To be honest with you right now, I actually recorded an episode earlier today with this, but I kept having trouble with McGraw-McGuff. I was going back and forth. It was harder than I thought. At first, during the week, I thought Ohio State women were going to beat Virginia Tech in the Elite Eight. And I thought, oh, this would be a great episode to do the connection between Coach McGraw and Coach McGuff. But then they lost to Virginia Tech, and I was like, uh, I'll do something else. But the more I thought about it, I was like, screw it. This is a it's a cool story. It could have been a very tragic story. It's still somewhat of a tragic story from what happened to others. And I didn't want to get I don't want to get too morbid here, but I think it's a story to be told. But first things first, uh, I'm taping on Saturday. Friday night was the women's final four. We had LSU against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech led pretty much the whole way. I was pulling for Virginia Tech. ACC team, the same conference as Notre Dame. Uh, the Notre Dame women beat them earlier in the year. They were only meeting. So I thought that the connection there, I'd root for the ACC. And uh, Virginia Tech loses their nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. Credit to LSU. They win. They'll be playing the finals against Iowa who upset South Carolina, who I believe was 36-0. They hadn't lost since last March, I believe. And one of the greatest defenses ever, South Carolina. I thought they would keep Caitlin Clark in check. And she she was phenomenal. I, I said this last night to many people on social media and just through texting. I personally want to apologize to Caitlin Clark. I thought she was a decent player, but not a great player. She's a great player. Whether it's, if you're just comparing, you know, I know they'll say, you know, greatest, one of the greatest female players. I'm just saying greatest basketball, one of the greatest basketball players I've seen men or women ever. She is that good. And I thought, you know, Iowa was just, a, I mean, she's very important to the team. Don't mean I mean, she, she's in about 80% to 90% of the plays, whether she's scoring or assists or rebound, but it's just not Caitlin Clark on that team. And, but I can't say it enough. My apologies, Caitlin Clark. You're one of the greatest ever men or male or female basketball players of all time. You can't even, uh, you know, break it down like that is what I'm trying to say. Just basketball player overall, one of the greatest ever. I, I can't say it enough. So anyway, but the more I watch after Notre Dame was eliminated in the Sweet 16 last week, even some of the Sweet 16 teams, but if you go from Elite Eight to the current Final Four of last night, now the, the finals, they all have a great inside presence, whether it's a great center or power forward. And Notre Dame, I know Lauren Ebo was a decent surprise this year. She was a transfer from Texas, gave us some good minutes. And when she got hurt, it actually affected the team somewhat, her rebounding especially. But really since... Jessica Shepard graduate in 2019. And then if you go all the way back to 2001, 
with Ruth Riley when Notre Dame won their first national title for women's basketball. That was always my biggest criticism of Coach McGraw, who we'll get to a little bit later. Except for Ruth Riley and Jessica Shepard, they never had that true center presence for their team. And I, I think that cost them a couple national titles. And after Coach McGraw retired in 2020, and then Jessica Shepard, our center uh, that graduated in 2019, there wasn't anyone special in that team center-wise. I know Sam Brunel is a highly touted uh, five-star. She never panned out. She's at Virginia now. And I thought, too, she's somewhat of a drama queen. Really, anything would have been better this year. And that's not take away from what Lauren Ebo and Kylie Watson did. But what, I, what I've seen in the Elite Eight and Final Four, and even some of the Sweet 16, we better have a better inside presence next year to make a good run. We got a lot back, don't get me wrong. And we got two great McDonald's All-American kids coming in. But we, we better get this inside presence figured out next year if we want to win a title. I think we can get to the Final Four with just an average inside presence. But to win it all, we're going to have to uh, really uh, fine-tune our skills there, whether it's the transfer portal or maybe Kylie Watson makes a big jump. She still has two years left, I believe. And then two, I've harped on this and bitched and complained about this ever since we started missing free throws. As a year, as a total for the year, I think we were 70%, but I believe we were under 70% the longer uh, or the as the season went on. The latter part of the season was what I'm trying to say. And these teams don't miss hardly. Iowa was 14 out of 14 last night, and that wasn't all Caitlin Clark. We have got to make that the easiest shot to make for next year. Whether that's shooting 100 or more free throws a day, not leaving the gym until you hit 10 in a row. I say too, have someone screaming in their face, doing like this right in front of them, where they just zone in so much where that just becomes the easiest shot there is. Make them feeling, make them feel uncomfortable is comfortable for them at the free throw line because you, you can win the game more or less with a with great free throw shooting is what I'm trying to say. To me, 70% is unacceptable. I'm sorry, it, it just is. It's gotta be at least 80% for me right now. And that should be a goal for Coach Ivy and staff. They have got to have all of their free throw shooters at least 80%. No excuses. I'm, I'm sorry, it, I, I just really honed on these two things, inside game and free throw shooting for us to reach that next level. I think just being what we are now and with, the team's coming in, you know, a lot of experience coming back. Obviously, hopefully no more injuries next year. We can probably get to the final four, but to win it, we got to fix these two things. So I digress there. I had mentioned the two McDonald's All-Americans, uh, Emma Reesh or Reesh. I've heard it pronounced two different ways. I told you that last week. But then Hannah Hidalgo, Hidalgo let me say that again, Hannah Hidalgo, it's a tough name to say. She's a... Out of New Jersey, I believe. Uh, she was the co-MVP of the McDonald's All-American game on, I believe it was Tuesday of this week. Anyway, but she scored the most points for uh, the girls game ever for any girls McDonald's All-American game. She, uh, she had 26 points and shared co-MVP honors with Juju Watkins, uh, who's ironically going to USC. When I say ironically, with the name Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster played at USC. He's a football player at USC, and now he's in the NFL. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool right there. 
that she was the uh, co-MVP and the most points ever scored. But Hannah Hidalgo, I pronounced that right there. Uh, congratulations and can't wait to see you at Notre Dame. Uh, really good point guard. She'll be, a, uh, obviously, Olivia Miles will be the returning point guard, but she'll play a lot of minutes as well. So let me just make sure I got over my notes. But I just wanted to say those two things before I went into this subject here. So this subject, I know some people are going to think this is kind of morbid. Uh, they don't want to live relive this day. Probably the worst day for America uh, besides Pearl Harbor. I'm talking about 9-11, September 11, 2001. There was a an event or connection, I should say, between former coach Muffet McGraw and the current coach at Ohio State, uh, Kevin McGuff. So let's take a step back from 1996 to 2002. Coach McGuff, who's currently at Ohio State, was uh, the assistant for Coach uh, McGraw at Notre Dame from 96 to 2002. And actually, I don't know if they were married yet, but he met his wife at Notre Dame. She was an assistant coach for Coach McGraw as well. I believe her name is uh, Letitia, and they live here in Dublin, Ohio uh, right now. She was on the staff, so he met his wife at Notre Dame, so there's that connection there as well. And when he was at Notre Dame, they, they, were, pr they were pretty good. He was there from 96 to 2002, I mentioned before. They went to the 1997 Final Four. That was the first Final Four for the women's team ever. And then they also went in 2001. And the 2001 team also won a national title. And that was the first uh, national title for the women's program. And for Coach McGraw and Coach McGuff was the assistant. Well, after that season, they're out in the recruiting trail. The fall of 2001, it was uh, September the 10th. And... They were in Providence, Rhode Island recruiting and coach McGraw was supposed to drive to, well, let me take a step back. It wasn't, she wasn't going to drive. She told coach McGuff, she's like, Hey, my flights from Boston to LA the next day, September the 11th, you're going to have to drive me to Boston uh, and then drive back to get on your flight at Providence, Rhode Island, where they currently were at. And he was like, I do not want to make that drive to Boston. Can you please just fly with me from Providence, Rhode Island? I don't know if it, if it was like a layover or from Providence to LA. I don't know. But anyway, he just did not want to drive to Boston because it'd be a pain in the ass to do that. I mean, and I believe I was reading this article from the Indianapolis Star from 2018. And I don't know if he... Uh, per or if he actually talked to her husband, Coach McGraw's husband, but he said too, he's like, you're never going to change your mind. Once she, once she's set on things, she is. You're just going to have to deal with it. But he kept saying, no, I, I do not want to drive to Boston to take you to the airport and then come back to Providence, Rhode Island for me to get on my flight. Can you please just change your flight and fly with me uh, in Providence, Rhode Island? And she gave in. And that shocked her husband as well because he's like, usually, as I said before, she's never going to change her mind. He ends up not taking her to Boston, driving to Boston, and then coming back to uh, Providence, Rhode Island. They're on the plane September 11th, getting ready to leave Providence, Rhode Island. And this is after the first flight uh, crashed into Flight 11, uh, the first one to hit the World Trade Center. And then they're waiting to take off in Providence. And they say, hey, we have to, everybody's got to evacuate the plane. We're having some sort of issue. They don't know what's going on. They get out of the plane, and as I mentioned before, this is from the Indian, I believe it's the Indianapolis Star article that I read from 2018. If you just Google it, it's there. 
but they get out of the plane and then in the area where all the TVs are, and they actually see the second plane, Flight 175, where, where the plane that Coach Muffet McGraw was supposed to be on. Both her and Kevin McGuff see it hit the second World Trade Center, and she's obviously in shock. Ironically, they run into now former men's basketball coach Mike Bray, who was on the recruiting trail as well. They say, you know, they're all three are in shock. They're like, hey, obviously planes aren't going to take off today. We don't really want to fly on a plane today. They rent a car and just head back to South Bend and just count their blessings that they were not on any of those planes. But I always thought coach Kevin McGuff was supposed to be on that plane with her. No, it was just going to be her. She was going to have a separate flight from Boston to LA. And then he was going to fly uh, out of Providence, Rhode Island on this recruiting trip. And he said, no, I'm not going to drive. And thank God that happened. Or, I mean, for one, you know, obviously it would have been a loss of life. Her husband would have been a widow. Her, I mean, she had a young son um, at the time who's obviously older now. And, you know, someone would have been, you know, uh, want to have a mom and, and just trying, you know, that sort of tragedy. But for us as fans, I just started to think what would have happened had she been on that plane and then died would coach McGuff had been the logical choice for them to, you know, promote as the head coach, you know, we'll never know. But then the more I looked at it too, and I always thought, I mean, he's doing a great job now at Ohio state. He's got that program rolling pretty good. And I think it's going to be set up for the future pretty good as well. But then I looked, I always knew he did decent at other places, but he actually did really good where he's been lately. And then I looked after he left Notre Dame it took nine years for Coach uh, McGraw and team to get back to the Final Four. And then she just went on a, you know, just insane, uh, I don't call it a winning streak, but just, you know, four Final Fours in a row. And then two years where they kind of rebuilt a little, then they won a national title again. They probably should have won uh, more than one national title. But, and not to say I would have thought, you know, Coach McGuff would have been a better head coach at Notre Dame. No, to me, Coach, Coach Muffet McGraw was the greatest choice for Notre Dame women's basketball. I think she was there from 1987 to 2020. She was the greatest choice there could have been. I'm not saying, he, I'm just starting to think it's, uh, anyone see the movie, The Butterfly Effect? Great movie from 2004 with Ashton uh, Kutcher and Amy Smart. Don't know what has happened to her. I don't see her much in anything anymore, but. I digress there, but if you get a chance to see that, the butterfly effect, it's more or less if, you know, one or two things go a certain other way, uh, how, is, how does that affect your future more or less? And that was the thing, you know, one, just one little, had he not, they said if it had been any other assistant coach, they would have gave in to coach McGraw to say, okay, I'll drive you there. She'd have been on that flight, but he said no. And, you know, obviously history um, speaks for itself. And but history would have been changed, uh, especially dramatically for the women's team. So what I wanted, I, I just started to look, and I, as I said before, he left in 2002, and they won the title in 2001. So real quick here, as I look on my cheat sheet, so the next year when he was there and Coach McGraw was there, they lost in the NCAA second round. The next year they went to the Sweet 16, and this is when Coach McGraw has left uh, ND. Him and his wife, because his wife, uh, Leti I think I mentioned that before, but uh, he met his wife at Notre Dame, Letitia, and now he, they live here in Dublin. Uh, and then the next year they went Sweet 16, NCAA second round, 
NCAA first round, NCAA second round, NCAA sweet 16, NCAA first round, sweet 16. And then finally, after nine years of him being away in 2011, they make it to the final four. They lose in the championship game to Texas A&M and they play a tall, I mentioned earlier how that's my biggest criticism of coach McGraw right now. And something for the current team, we didn't have a big inside presence. Texas A&M had a great center that year and we lost 2012. We lose. She goes back to the final four. So after that nine year break from the final four, they go in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, I think I said 2015. No, it was 11, 12, 13, 14 or no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, they did go to 2015. So 2011, they lose in the title game. 2012, they lose to Baylor in the title game. Who does Baylor have as center? Brittany Griner. I think you've heard that name for you know other reasons too. I don't want to get into that. But huge center. We had no one to stop her and lose. 2013, we lose to a great UConn team that starts their winning streak. Uh, from 2013 to 2017, where they win this insane amount of games, over 100 or so games. That's when they had Brittany, uh, uh, Brianna Stewart. I'm sorry, Brianna Stewart. She won four national t- titles in four years. You'll probably never see that for a male or female basketball player again. And the thing was, let me take a step back again. That 2013 team that lost to UConn in the semifinals. We had beat them three times earlier in the season. We beat them at UConn. We beat them at Notre Dame. We beat them in the Big East uh, championship game. Even though that was a great team, that was Skylar Diggins' senior year. And we were actually probably a better team than UConn that year. But I'm sorry, you can't beat UConn, especially during those days of UConn when they were a powerhouse. They've kind of taken a step back a little. There's no way we're going to beat them four times in a row. Or Gino Oriana was not going to let them lose to Notre Dame four times in a year. It was just the odds were stacked against us. And then 2014, we lost to UConn in the national title game. We were undefeated. They were undefeated. And then 2015, we lost the national title game. So after that break from when Coach McGuff left, we go to 11, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, five final fours where we... And four national runners-up. Is that right? One, two... No. Three... Yeah, that is right. Yeah, four... So, runner-up in 11, runner-up in 12, runner-up in 14, and 15. And that's the thing, too. If... if And then we were runner-up. So, Muffin McGraw goes to nine total final fours. Five... She's wins a title twice... In 20, 2011, or no, 2001 and 2018. And then she's runner-up five times. The last runner-up being in 2019 against Baylor. And Baylor had big girls in the middle again. You know, large inside presence, centers, power fours. But we only lost that game by one point. We still should have won that game. But what I'm trying to say is she goes on a phenomenal run. Phenomenal run. And this is way after Kevin McGuff left, but I still think from 96 to 2002, they were a great team, more great coaching team with her uh, and Kevin McGuff. And I'm not saying, you know, had he stayed, 
they would have been a lot better because it seemed like they needed each other uh, to really reach that pinnacle. And I think too, she was getting other assistance during this nine year, uh, nine, uh, nine year uh, hiatus from the final four. That's when coach Ivy, the current coach, Niel Ivy, uh, former player in 2001 that won the title with her as a player. And then she was getting better assistance. And I think that helped her as well, but still she, she's the greatest probably the greatest Notre Dame coach in the last, you know, after Lou Holtz, there hasn't been a football coach so far to take Notre Dame to that level. She's, you know, the pinnacle of coaching is what I'm trying to say during that run. And, but what I'm trying to say here is too, if you take away, before we get to more of this connection with coach McGuff, if you take away, you know, UConn and a bunch of taller teams that we just didn't match up well, we probably have at least three more national titles. She was runner up five times and won it twice. So she could probably, if there's no UConn, if there's no, you know, Brittany Griner or really tall girls that we just didn't match up well in the Baylor and Texas A&M games, we probably have at least five national titles, if not more. I mean, we could have seven, but we don't. It is what it is. But then let's get into Coach McGuff after he left Notre Dame. So if I look at my cheat sheet here, if we go into his, and I just didn't realize how well, I just thought it was all at Ohio State. So let me take a step back here. One, I know I say that word way too much, but when he was coaching from 96 to 2002 as an assistant with Coach McGraw, they were, Notre Dame was 160 wins to 39 losses. So I can't say they were just a great coaching team together and then maybe after those nine years that uh maybe the recruiting wasn't the best during that time i mean they were still making the tournament making sweet 16s but it took nine years to finally get back and that's when coach ivy was on staff um beth morgan was on the staff there so they you can call it what you want but anyway he goes to xavier and his coaching record there is 214 wins to 73 losses He's only at Washington for two years. I don't know what really really happened there, but Ohio State grabbed him up once he was available, or not available, but that, that's who they wanted. He was forty-one and twenty-six at Ohio State so far. One hundred and seventy-two wins to ninety-seven losses. At ten years at Ohio State right now, he's got six uh, tournament appearances, three Sweet Sixteens, and this year to the Elite Eight. And he's got a lot coming back next year. I can see them. Uh, really getting to that next level. But I just keep thinking, had she got on that plane, is he the head coach? Does he kind of have that nine-year hiatus because he's looking for assistance to really uh, help out the program too? Because, I mean, maybe it was just coincidence too. I don't know, but it took nine years for her to get back to the title. And I just can't say enough. Obviously, there was just that real great chemistry between the both of them. Uh, what else here? And here's the thing too, and this is no disrespect to Coach Ivy right now, but when Coach McGraw retired in 2020, kind of out of the blue, and I still say if there's no NIL name, image, and likeness deal now where the players can make money and the transfer portal is not every two seconds you can switch switch schools, I think her, kind of like with Roy Williams admitted it. He's like, I, I can't deal with this NIL. I can't deal with this transfer portal. 
I'm out. I think he'd still be coaching too at North Carolina, the men's team. I think that really, she was just like, and then COVID was in its heyday then too. She's like, screw this. I'm done. I'm not getting any younger. And she's still fairly young. I got enough money. It's time to, it's time to hang up. And she's still, I think she teaches a leadership course at Notre Dame. But when she resigned, I said kind of out of the blue, I believe it was March, 2020. It was already said, you know, coach McGraw has retired and coach Ivy will be taking over. Coach Ivy had left the previous year to be an assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA, not the WNBA. She was coaching the NBA as an assistant coach. And maybe this was the deal. I, I have no inside knowledge of this, but I'm just starting to, you know, throw out straws here. And maybe they said, okay, yeah, you're leaving for the NBA right now, but whenever Coach McGraw retires, you will be the uh, next women's basketball coach. Maybe that was said. Uh, it was just seemed like a real quick. There was no national search at all. It was just, I don't say handed to her, but I, I just thought there'd be more of a search after a living legend after since again, I think she started in 87. So that would have been what, 87, 97, seven, 33 years or so. After that long a time, you think there would be a, more of a process to find a new coach. Whether they were still honing in on Coach Ivy, I still think it would have taken more than less than 24 hours to hire a coach is what I'm trying to say. But then looking at Coach McGuff's stats or his you know coaching stats at the time, knowing what Notre Dame's about, having been there for six years, met his wife there. His wife was an assistant coach there as well. Not to say that he should have gotten the job, but I thought at least he should have gotten a look is what I'm trying to say. Or some sort of, even if they would have, yes, Coach Ivy's our, our main, uh, that's who we want, but we still want to see who else is out there for possible coaching down in the future, something like that. I just thought he should have received some sort of a interview or, you, you know what I'm saying. I just think it was just too quick to name, but she's doing a great job too. Don't get me wrong. She's, for what happened this year at the end of the season with all the injuries, She's a hell of a recruiter right now. She just has to tweak a couple things. She she was a, a great choice, but I just thought, I, I can't say enough. I thought he should have had or received somewhat of a, a look or, and maybe they did reach out to him. I don't know, but I'm just starting to think maybe once she left, yeah, you want to get more experience, you know, you know, you know, get out of your comfort zone, go into the NBA, see what that has to offer you. But once, you know, Coach Muffet McGraw retires. This is your job. Maybe there was a NDA type of agreement or something like that. I don't, again, I don't know. I just think Coach Kevin McGuff should have received more of a look. And maybe he did, but it just didn't seem that way. So what else here? Uh, but that's pretty much it. I just wanted to really kind of take a step back. And, you know, that butterfly effect I had mentioned before, you know, had that happened, you know, is Kevin McGuff still the coach? Is he the coach at Notre Dame or still the coach? Do they not even look at him? Maybe they go outside uh, uh, the Notre Dame community at the time. Thank God it never happened. I mean, like I said, just for her her immediate family, her, her husband, her son, who was really young at the time, uh, that's the most important right there. But just, you know, just take a step back, you know, just the, but for the actual Notre Dame fan, you know, the next, what is it, 
22 years might have not have been a you know five runner up NCAA tournaments championships you know another tournament or another championship in 2018 you know Skylar Diggins who and that was the thing too after those years of where they were you know just doing the sweet 16s and everything once she got Skylar Diggins despite winning a national title in 2001 that really put Notre Dame on the map for women's basketball because she was a very popular player she still is in the WNBA but that was a face of a team more or less uh a player face I should say not just you know you know usually the coach is the face of the team but now with you know players uh switching schools so frequently now that really put a face to Notre and she was you know great personality and everything and that really put Notre Dame back on the map because she was a, a sophomore, I believe, in 2011 when they got back to the Final Four and then lost to Texas A&M, 2012 runner-up, and then 2013. So, yeah, I kept thinking it was just four Final No, it's five. They went 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And they made it to the finals every single year except 13 when that Connecticut team was not going to uh, – lose four times to them until and let me just you know as i mentioned before kevin mcguff doing a great job at ohio state and i know this is going to piss off some ohio state fans and notre dame fans as i compare these two items here this will be the last thing i discuss but the signature win for him and ohio state last week is beating uconn and i'm not taking anything away from them right now but and i've talked to my sane uh Ohio State, remember how I said, you know, non-delusional Notre Dame fans, what I'm currently, and I want to stay that way. So I say non-delusional Ohio State fans, whether it's, you know, cousins, uncles, friends of mine that are OSU friends that are non-delusional. I said, that's a great win, and don't take this the wrong way. But that is not a UConn, Gina Oriema team of the past. Maybe we'll get to that again, but Paige, I believe her last name is Bookers or Beckers. She was out this year. It's not the... UConn team from 2013 to 2017 when uh, Brianna Stewart won those four titles. And then they're going to, for a fourth title or a, a fifth title in a row in 20, because they went 13, 14, 15, 16, four in a row. 17, they were still undefeated. And I believe that that final four is in Dallas too, because the final four right now is in Dallas. They lose to Mississippi State to end that 100 and whatever winning streak. That was a team. Right? That was really a team. And then two, Notre Dame connection. And I'm not just saying this because of Notre Dame. When Notre Dame beat a 36-0 UConn team in Columbus, Ohio, five years ago, this week, you know, the anniversary date, they beat them in the uh, the final four that year. UConn was 36-0, phenomenal team. That was the night Kobe Bryant was there with his daughter that tragically died with him too, who's being, re- who's being recruited by UConn at a young – she was probably only – 11 or 12 at the time there, maybe even younger. But we beat a 36-0 UConn team. Then we win the national title against Mississippi State two days later. That was a really, that's a UConn team that I that, that I think of like UConn basketball, UConn women's basketball. And, but again, that's, that's a great win for Ohio State. And that can, it got them to the Elite Eight. And I can see them being a Final Four team next year again. But you just, you kind of have to take a step back to say, yeah, we did be UConn, but was it the UConn of old? Very similar, and this is where I'm going to piss off the Notre Dame delusional fans. When we beat Clemson in 2020, 
it took us two overtimes at home during the pandemic to beat Clemson, who was without Trevor Lawrence, who had COVID at the time. For, yes, it was a big win. Don't get me wrong. They were number, I don't know if they were number one or number two at the time, Clemson. But it was without Trevor Lawrence. And then when we played them in the ACC title game, that one year we were in the ACC uh, conference because of COVID, we got our asses handed to us. And then this year, we're playing Clemson at home again. I will say at least with this year, I know Trevor Lawrence, obviously he, he, he had grad or didn't graduate, but he had, you know, left for the NFL and D, DJ Uyunglele, who's not a great quarterback, but still we at least beat the shit out of them this year at home. It wasn't a two overtime game, but as I take a step back, we're not beating a Trevor Lawrence Clemson team uh, this past year, but it was a, at least I will say this year when we beat Clemson, we knocked the shit out of them like we should have at home. And also, uh, we did it with a second-rate QB in Drew Pine. Had we had a good court, we'd probably beat them by five, six touchdowns instead of, I think we beat them by 21 points. Well, I'm just saying, just take a step. When you get those big wins, yes, they're big wins, but you have to take them with a grain of salt sometimes. So Thank you so much for joining me. I hope, I know, I didn't want to sound too morbid about this topic, but there is this connection between Ohio State, Notre Dame, Coach Muffet McGraw and Coach Kevin McGuff. You know, luckily that didn't happen. Uh, you know, it was a tragic day in itself. I don't want to discount all the those people that passed away. But uh, for her family, for the Notre Dame family, it, it, it did continue that, you know, greatness for that program. And we're getting back to that, too. We just have a couple of tweaks to fill out there. So thank you so much for joining. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>